Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Conversations with Lulu. My name is Lulu Khazan. I'm an entrepreneur living in Dubai. I'm an investor, a mother, and your host. My guest today is someone very special to me, Binod Shankar, Mr. Shankar. He is a corporate veteran. He's an entrepreneur. He's a podcast host. He's an angel investor. He's a cyclist. He's a mountaineer and a dear friend whom I've known for a decade. Apart from his distinguished career in finance, which you can read about in our show notes, Binod co-founded Genesis Training Institute in 2009 and grew it to a regional training powerhouse, which eventually got acquired in 2017 by Kaplan Inc., the US-based training and publishing company. Since then, Binod has done extensive training to become an executive coach. Today, Binod mentors young finance enthusiasts via his podcast, The Real Finance Mentor. Binod is a writer, a speaker, and a regular guest on CNBC Arabia as an expert on financial markets. Some of his more noticeable achievements are, of course, he was my CFA level one coach, and he fell asleep when he was meant to meet me for a 6 a.m. run, Mr. Shankar. (laughs) It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yes, uh, I, I thought you would forget about my sleeping in the morning. That was like nine years ago, Lulu. How do you yeah, keep these I, things in mind? <laughs> I, 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 I don't forget. I don't forget uh, such things. Waking up early in the morning for a 6 a.m. Yeah. run is already uh, an achievement, you know. So to be stood up uh, is, uh, you know, is something I won't forget. So, so I, I owe you this podcast anyway. And thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. So we know you've been, you know, you, you're a mentor, you're someone that uh, a lot of people seek uh, advice from uh, as, as, a, as a coach and also as a, as a finance expert. Um, and, I, and I always wonder, you know, what inspires you? What keeps you going? Well, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> Let me think about Maybe that. Maybe we shouldn't start with that. Start with something else. <laughs> no, no, that's the that's that's real rocker of a question, right? What inspires me? I mean, um, oof. So these days, I think uh, post-corporate life, post-entrepreneurship, you know, um, and looking for my next venture. So I think what really inspires me is, I know it's going to sound a bit cheesy, but it's like making an impact, making a positive impact, spreading awareness. That's really what inspires me a lot. And I think, what can I do or say that will uh, transform careers or lives in a meaningful way. So hence the podcast, and, and we can talk about that later, but that was one, that was the main driver for the podcast, yeah. Why did you call it the real finance mentor? Well, <laughs> there was a lot of debate on this name, trust me. I mean, there was a lot of back and forth. What should we call it? Should it be short, snappy, meaningful, uh, impactful? And then someone said, listen, you are real. You know, There's something about you that's authentic. That's, you're not fake. You say it as it is, okay? 
but then you're not you're not talking about everything you're not talking about life as a whole you know uh, or, or relationships i don't think anyone should come to me for relationship advice anyway <laughs> <laughs> but but what what you're good at and what you can talk about is careers and finance yeah. and mentoring people in finance careers so we came with the name the real finance mentor not finance as an in investing or stock markets lulu you know not that kind of finance but as an if you want a career in finance <clears throat> CFA, CPA, MBA, whatever. Then maybe this guy is the right guy to come to. Not maybe he's the right guy to come to. <laughs> you started your uh, your career uh, in India, right? You worked your way up the the corporate, the corporate ladder, ladder. <laughs> and and yeah. you did it for 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 quite some time, right? Probably about seventeen years. That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. And then and then one day, then what happened? Actually, something happened. It wasn't a slow transformation. Um, I mean, it was 2008, 2009. The market wasn't good. <clears throat> I was in the senior position as executive director of finance in a big listed company, and it was a stressful environment, and very political, and very toxic, and I didn't have much freedom or independence. You know, you think that as a director of a company, you would have some kind of leeway. This is April 2009. You know, I still remember April 2009, 11 years ago. I'm sitting in my corner office in the skyscraper at night probably about 9 pm everyone has left the office i'm the only one all the lights are switched off i still remember it like you know like it's like a movie i'm looking at the traffic below and i'm thinking what the hell am i doing here <laughs> you know <laughs> this is like <laughs> this is like the eureka moment lulu seriously i'm not kidding i said I don't need the salary. I don't have any obligations. I don't have wife or kids or you know, college expenses, blah blah blah. So all I'm doing it is basically to satisfy my ego and to show that to to others that wow, you know, I have this title and salary in a fancy company. But internally, I was bleeding. Internally, it was meaningless. How old were you? I was forty then. I was about to turn forty. Wow. The wow. one month, you know, yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, and they say you have this midlife crisis, right, or middle middle age crisis. Yeah. And I wasn't planning for it. I had read about it. It just hit me like a freight train one month so before my. Uh, you didn't buy a Carrera. You just you just thought you know. No, no, I didn't buy. I didn't buy, I didn't buy a Porsche or get myself a blonde girlfriend or anything like that, right? Not, not another thing happened. <laughs> I took the easy way out. I quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? That's that's terrifying because usually by forty, it's uh, it's not easy, right? You're not. I mean, you're not young, quote unquote, to to switch careers. You're 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 holding on with your yes. with your arms and legs, right? You don't want to let go, and and it's yeah, it's difficult to find another job. So you're like, no, I'm I'm out. Well, at forty, normally most people, the average human being, has two kids, a mortgage. a house <laughs> and needs a job to pay for all this right yes. and, and they have no wife i mean i'm i'm that person at the moment <laughs> are you saying you're 40 i mean is that a clue i'm i'm way younger than that but yeah. way, okay let's keep it way younger let's keep it way let's keep it way so going back to question interestingly you asked me this i mean so there was a push and a pull lulu the push was what i told you about the company the pause and you know the pull was the fact that i love teaching i had been teaching for some time cfa in dubai part time and then i i called one of my business partners the same night that same night in april 2009 someone i really trusted and even even now he's very close to me and i said listen this is the situation what should i do 
He said, look, you love teaching. You're brilliant at it. There is already an operation going on in Dubai, part-time. Why don't you just come and take over? And trust me, it was like when you're imprisoned for long and you're wearing chains, and suddenly someone comes and ah. unlocks it. I swear, that night, 11 o'clock, sometime, that was a feeling I had, which means the next day morning, my mind was so clear, so clear, I took my Blackberry, because then we had Blackberries, right? <laughs> and my access card, and went to this meet HR director and gave it back to him and said, that's it. And he was shocked because he didn't expect, no one expected me to leave just after four months on the job, just after four months. It was just, you know, uh, but shows how much of bullshit I had been taking for 17 years, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I've just been accumulating and building up and building up and then boom, you know. So I served a one-month notice period um, and, and uh, I landed in Dubai in May about two days before my birthday and the first class we launched, the revision class we launched for CFA was on my birthday and I didn't even have an apartment. I had no house. I was living out of my suitcase in a hotel and we had our first uh, CFA level one revision class in that hotel's ballroom and I never looked back after that. Uh, that was the, the, the genesis of genesis in a way, or, you know, the, the, the beginning of everything. And, and when you started over, what, what, did you have like a, a long-term plan that this is going to be one day, you know, acquired by this like massive company <laughs> or, or were you just doing it for fun like, or, or as a passion? You know, I would love to lie and tell you that I had this ambition to grow and, you know, grow across geographies and revenue and sell to Kaplan or peers, nothing like that. Uh, the feeling that I had was relief. Um, that I was finally, and I, sound, I know it sounds a bit, I was finally a free man. I didn't have to report to anyone. I didn't have to work for anyone. I didn't have to get up in the morning at 9 a.m. and show my face. I didn't have to attend meetings because I had to. And that was the feeling that I had. There was, there was no long-range plan as to this is how we exit from, you know, whatever this we sell it to, nothing. You know, it's like... Uh, Oxygen, you know, you I have this. You, you, you loved it, right? You loved it. I mean, I have experienced. Yeah. I've experienced yeah. you uh, as a as a teacher. I mean, I went into, you know, I walked into Genesis Institute one day in 2010. <laughs> this was this was a knowledge village, by the way, the same place. It, yeah, it, it was a bigger office, the bigger, the second office. Yeah, the second office we had. Yes, you had an office where at the time exactly when I walked in, and I'm like, okay, I have to pay four thousand dirhams to these guys, and they're gonna help me pass the CFA. Uh, level one. one exam, and I yeah. walk into and I walk into uh, uh, Genesis, and I meet you, and then you tell yeah. me, Lulu, the CFA is not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to tell everyone, by the way. I said, listen, be very careful before you make up your mind. You know, yeah, choose wisely. I know. Yeah, but I'm a stubborn person. I think. Yeah, you, you are. Know? Trust me, you are. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, honestly, I think I, you know, I walked in really with very very basic uh, knowledge. Your your teaching, you know the the way you did it, you, how you how you simplified things. I passed the damn exam. It was like it was like one of my proudest achievements, probably to date. In the first attempt, you know, you smashed through in the first attempt. First I mean, attempt, yeah, yeah it's June two thousand eleven, if I'm not mistaken. Two thousand eleven, yeah, June two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah, and then I, and then I stopped uh, because I decided to to start a business. Yeah, but it showed me something about you, you know, with that this girl is bloody minded. You know, if she puts her mind to something, she'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I swear it was it was a it was an amazing achievement. But I have to say, it's because again, you were a great teacher, 
right? And you, you, you coached us, you used to WhatsApp us. And it wasn't only like the, you know, the technical stuff. It was also no, it the mental. It was also yes. the mindset, you know, that we can do it and all of that. And yes. actually, I enjoyed the whole process. You know, I was I wasn't doing it because it was an obligation. I wasn't doing it because I I, I loved it. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. these guys have put myself themselves in my hands, right? It's almost like you've you've trusted me to make, help you pass. So yeah. I can't let you down. So I got to push. So, and, so how many you know, uh, how many students have you have you taught? Wow, I haven't kept an exact tally. But probably from over the last 12 years, I'm thinking about 4,000, easily 4,000, across CFA, CMA, um, executive education, uh, finance for non-finance managers. So a lot of courses we used to run, right? So you started off with CFA only, and then you added all of these Exactly, we slowly added adjacent courses. Well, CFA level one, then level two, then level three, then CMA. But then we didn't go, we didn't go to, we didn't diversify too much. We just stuck to our basic stuff, which is finance and accounting exam prep training, right? And you and didn't feel that, tempted to to add more courses and become like a training, you know, like a general training. Oh yeah, we, we were tempted. I mean, seriously, because everyone was doing it, right? Adding soft skills and everything. But then we didn't have the bandwidth and we didn't have the expertise. One thing that people, the, the main reason people came to us, uh, Lulu, was they trusted us, right? That's how you came to us. I mean, someone must have told you that these guys are good in CFA prep. Yes. And yes. we didn't want to destroy that reputation by going and screwing up in some new area which is not familiar to us. And that's yeah. what a lot of people do, by the way. They diversify too much too fast. So I think, yeah, so I think uh, we stuck to what we knew. But we got very, very good at it, you know, uh, CFA prep. I think, if you, I think if you do anything long enough and if you do it with passion, you can be amazing at it. That's very true. And and then what? But then you sold, right? In 2017, um, yeah. Kaplan uh, Inc. from the U.S. came knocking, and they wanted a presence in the Middle East. They loved the brand, they loved the market, and they loved the DNA of Genesis. You know, as in, well, this is two guys basically out there, two expats, uh, setting this new trend in exam prep, uh, CFA exam prep, and generally in financial education. So they liked that. They liked our client. We had a few big clients by then when they came to us. Yeah. So we thought about it and said, yeah, maybe it's time to, you know, it's time to exit maybe. Just like that? No. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> no, nothing, 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 nothing important in life, I think, happens just like that. So the question you're asking is why, I know. First of all, it was eight years. It had been eight years since we have been running the company, right? And eight years is a long while. It's, and it's quite stressful. And you spend for 13, 14, 15 hours and you fly around the region, you know. But that, 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 was, not, that was the main reason. The main reason was that um, competition was coming in and competition with the brands was coming in, right? Lulu, you know, you had big multinational brands coming in. Um, so we had to have a powerful brand. Now, Genesis was a well-known brand in the exam prep financial training space. But if I went to a big company and said, we want to train you guys for non-exam financial stuff or non-exam technical stuff or soft skills or whatever, they would say, A, you're not a brand, and B, we haven't, you don't think you're credible enough. That's one reason, the brand. Secondly, was the products. So we had CFA, CMA, financial modeling, we still do, or Kaplan Genesis still does, and some few other courses. But we, didn't, we had a very limited product range. So an HR manager, an ND manager in a company wants to engage with a training provider that ideally provides the maximum range of products, right? So that she or he deals with a few training providers. 
Why? I couldn't promise that. Well, I mean, it's if just, I mean, if you're it, an expert in your field, why, why, why do you feel that a company well, might want to? Well, from their point of view, from the HR manager's point of view, the risk of their risk, right? What they don't want to lose their job by hiring a poor quality training provider. So the way they take their bets is we will go with a well-known brand, which we hope is also a high-quality provider. It doesn't always work out that way. I don't want to name brands, but a lot of brands that change used to charge like $8,000 per day, $5,000 per day, but training quality was average. Anyway, so but for HR managers, it made sense because, hey, good brand, big brand. They are in UK, US, whatever. Let's go with them. So we used to lose out because of that, purely because of brand perception, not because of quality. We were, we were high quality. So sec- one was a brand. Second was the product range. Third was the people, because Kaplan had, had a lot of good people in UK and US, right? Australia, Hong Kong. And they were very good in non-finance stuff, right? They were good in uh, wealth management training or leadership training. So I said, wow, that's another good reason, right? So if you want to think about it, the brand, the people, the products, and they had some they have some amazing products you know in terms of simulation you know like board games that really teach you finance for non finance you know so very intuitive people love games right people love gamification of learning and things like that so i told we, we had a discussion among the partners you know what it it makes perfect perfect sense and of course exit um, i mean who doesn't want an exit right at some point it's 8 years you're slogging hard so yeah so the money of course had a role to play but looking back, was the only reason? Uh, no, I mean, um, in fact, I, I'm going to share something with you. This, this was in 2013, and someone approached us to acquire the company, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. And I told one of my partners, I said, "Wow, it didn't happen, man. It went away, uh, you know." And he and he turned to me, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, "Be not." The pot of gold at the end of the rainbow doesn't have to be always money. The pot of gold at the end of the rainbow can be something else. For you, you don't always think about money. You think about other things like impact. And I said, shit, he's right. You know, why am I even <laughs> getting worried or anxious about something which I never planned to anyway? Exit was never part of my plan. Uh, and so it was, it was very interesting. So even now I think about what he said and I tell people, you know, in your career, don't always think about salaries or bonuses or money because maybe you get a lot of other things from what you're doing, right? Networks or enjoyment or passion or purpose or whatever it is. So I, I was lucky, I think, to have partners like that who or what more wiser than me. I think you need to have people who are smarter and wiser than you. I used to stress every time something, you know, if I really wanted something and it didn't happen or yeah. or I was expecting a certain outcome and it didn't happen. I used to stress about it and, and be very upset about it. And then one day I decided that, you know what, whatever happens and, and everything happens for a reason. Mm. And since I've put this in my mind, uh, I, I really do, do look at things this way. And, and to me, okay, I would like this to happen. I, I work on it. I, I seek it. But then if it mm. doesn't happen and if it's not something in my control, then, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, uh, yes. and, and, and a lot of times, you know, I mean, for example, uh, when, when 2008, the crisis happened, you know, I was, uh, I was working with Dubai Properties at the time. I was mm. a corporate person, you know, just like you, and I was made redundant. 
Mm-hmm. And at the time it was, you know, a disaster. Like, I mean, what am I going to do? I had just gotten married and, you know, I have all these plans and so on. So, so it was really a blow. And then, but when you think like, okay, it happens and, and, and now what? And then you start thinking, uh, okay, let me think about starting a business or let me think about doing some consulting. And then obviously opportunities open up. And then today, I swear today, I say losing that job was probably the best thing that's happened to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if I hadn't lost that job, I'd probably be, you know, I don't know, in, in, in some office doing the nine to six, uh, uh, some director, maybe uh, level, stress out, politics, yeah. pissed off. Yes. Uh, so, so actually, that was probably like one of the best things that happened. The, the funny thing, Lulu, is that when something like that happens to you, at that point, you think it's probably the worst thing that happened. Yeah. Always. Absolutely. When you look back. My leaving the company was probably the best thing that happened I ever done in my life. Best decision I ever taken. Uh, but then even people are tell, telling me, are you mad? You're leaving a high paying job as executive director. I mean, seriously, some of them actually said you're, you're crazy. You're not going to make it. You know, a few. I wouldn't say some, a few. But uh, I'm glad uh, I followed my instincts or whatever, you know, and, and, and moved on. So now you sold the, the business, I mean, in 2017, yes. it's been a few years now. Right. And you've been you've been going unemployed. around unemployed. unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said, right? Uh, yesterday is that you're unemployed. I said, yeah, it's true. Technically, I'm unemployed. <laughs> unemployed. Okay. You're seeking opportunities. <laughs> seeking up. Maybe I should put on my LinkedIn, like seeking, yes. seeking yes. opportunities. Open for right? business. Open for business. <laughs> so you you've uh, you've uh, you've trained to become uh, a coach. Yes. Uh, so basically, in 2015 which is about five years ago. An executive I got very, coach, sorry, just to be clarified. Yes, so I got very interested in psychology. I got interested in something called mental toughness because I used to see people going to CFA and failing, not like you, other people, right? Uh, and I was wonder why, why is it some people fail, some people pass? Although the IQ levels seem the same. I was very mystified. So I kept asking, asking, asking. I went, attended many courses to find out more in 2012, 13, 14, but no course gave me the answer. And then I came across this course by the ILM, Institute of Learning and Management in the UK. And they had this comprehensive level seven qualification in executive coaching and mentoring, which had, it was a thesis you had to write and you had to read hundreds of books and articles and you had to do practice coaching. It was a, I mean, I, I, I beat up more than I could chew, let's put it this way, I think. And I thought I'd finish in one year. It took three years to finish. So I finished, I think last year, 2019, February, I got my, the certain qualification, but that opened my eyes to my God, there's so much about psychology and personality types and testing and psychometrics, you know, and, and coaching effect. And there was so much out there that is mind blowing. So I did it. Now at that point, I thought maybe I would become an executive coach. Maybe then after I get in the qualification, I said, no, <laughs> I don't want to. It's Why? Like, it's just weird. I, I was like going to ask you like, is this what's next for you? I mean, apart from the, the podcast that you've started recently, well, a lot of people Why are not? executive coaches. A lot of people do good work in executive coaching and mentoring. And I might still do it. I'm not saying no. I think, I think uh, you should. And I'll tell you why. Okay, you're, like a, you're, 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 you're very rigorous in what you do. And you're, you're a professional, really. A lot of people sometimes, I feel, get into executive coaching um, because, for example, they've had like a corporate career and mm. they've lost their job or something happened in their lives. And then there's... Uh, you know, they, they, they go on and they, they take the certificate and then they believe that they can help other people. And I don't think, honestly, it's the case. 
I mean, no. th there's so many executive coaches out there today. And, you know, I would probably even say maybe like 50% of them are probably efficient and, and the others yeah. are just yeah. uh, probably, probably bigger. Than, probably bigger. I think you're being polite. <laughs> yeah, probably, exactly. So, I mean, but yeah. you, I mean, you, I mean, you're obviously you're different. You have the, the corporate experience. You have the uh, entrepreneurial experience. Uh, you're, you know, you're, you're an expert in finance uh, and, and accounting. You're also, I mean, you're on a personal level. You're like the super resilient dude who summited. I mean, how many mountains have you summited? About 11 so far. <laughs> 11. Okay. That's where you spend your money. <laughs> <laughs> so you're absolutely right. And thank you for saying that really uh, makes me feel better on a, on a Thursday morning. <laughs> I'm going to go into the weekend now with this. Yay! Uh, yay! That's it. She said it's live. If people are going to hear it, that's it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. I love you for that. But uh, the reason, Lulu, is is far more trickier than that. And I think I made a mention of that recently on social media. What I found from personal experience and watching people, Lulu, watching students, watching colleagues, watching employees, is that it's very easy or relatively easy to learn something new. You know, if you ask me, or if Shirag asked me, listen, we not we have to learn about Apple Podcasts <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> okay, I'll probably do it, right? Uh, you want you have to learn Python, um, what do you call it, software language, in the next uh, one month. I can do it, and I'll probably do it. But if you tell me, Binod, can you be more um, introvert, or can you be uh, more agreeable, or can you be uh, less outspoken? You know. That's going to be difficult, very difficult for me. So what I found is that aptitude, and if you want to change someone's skills, easier. If you want to change someone's attitude to a life or career, very difficult. And most people come to coaching for something on the attitude side and not so much on the aptitude side. So what I found is that uh, some people change, but the change happens uh, between a certain age as you're becoming an adult. So I know myself, I change the maximum when I was around 19, 20, I went from being shy, no friends, sitting at home, to being outgoing, networking with clients. And that's purely because of my boss who was a great mentor at that time. That was, that was my transformation. A lot of people I've seen in my class, you know, youngsters, right, CFA class, they change between 19, 23, 24, after they enter their first job, you know, they meet their first boss, they meet colleagues, they enjoy their work. But then, after maybe 25, I'm just giving a rough age. It becomes very difficult to change who you are, right? Um, if you're a jerk, you remain a jerk, <laughs> for example. Yeah? Uh, if you're a nice guy, you probably remain and die a nice guy, you know? Um, and, and so if, if executive coaching is normally meant to change someone's attitude towards his colleagues or towards the job or whatever it is, I say, you know what? The, the, the ROI is pretty low on that. What is the main goal of, exec, of executive coaching? So what are you supposed to do as an executive coach? So typically, companies would come to you and say, you know what, this guy needs to think more long term, or this guy needs to learn more about conflict management, or this okay. guy needs to work better with his peers, things like this. Um, and not so much in terms of you know profits or sales as such, probably. That could be the outcome, of course. So that's what normally executive coaches are hired for, and they're paid gazillions right to, to do that but, yeah, I, so then, but I, I don't know if i if i yeah. agree with you i mean i feel i mean sometimes i look at myself when i was in my 20s 
I, feel, I really feel, okay, maybe the values and the fundamentals are still the same. So yes, I was outspoken, as you said, when I was 20, I'm still fortunately outspoken, <laughs> outspoken today. But like there are, there are other things uh, um, in me that you can, I mean, you can soften a little bit, right? Or you can, mm. you, you can put yeah. more fuel on, on, on something. Uh, You're right. I should modify what I said earlier. So, so exactly. So the, the key word here is uh, exceptional, I think. So you see, for example. Oh, so you don't so, so think you, this is, okay. I, I, yeah, I don't think it is normal. So for, I, I, it's a theory of mine looked at, looking at behavior, right? So if you look at people, I think the people who change the most, Lulu, in their 30s and 40s, right? The people who change the most are people, my theory, who have been through a divorce or have had a serious health issue or have just lost a very valuable job, you know? And then it hits them that, my God, they have this eureka moment that, you know, I need to change my, not change my job or change my, change or change my skills, but change my attitude to life or to career. Exactly. But that doesn't happen often. If you look around you, you'll find people who are fired and they go back and get another job and get fired again for the same reason. <laughs> or, you know, so it doesn't happen often or so, you'd like so to believe it. So you don't want to, you don't want to be an executive coach because you, you don't feel that people will, will, that you can change people or you can help people change. Well, you can't change people. People have to change themselves anyway. Yeah. Uh, to be, that's but that's point, your right? job, right? Yes, but it's like saying, what is the best metaphor to describe this? It's like saying, you know what, I mean, um, you have a rocket sitting for launch on a rocket pad, launch pad, okay? The engine of the rocket is your IQ. I'm putting a very simplistic example. The fuel of the rocket is your passion, your attitude, okay? So you have both things, but what's really critical, what's really missing is the navigation system. <laughs> because... <laughs> So, right? You can have the best fuel, the most powerful I engine. I, I made it up myself. This is trademark to me. So whenever you mention this, you have to mention the source of this is Binance. The real so, finance network. Exactly. Exactly. RFM. Exactly. It's a real fan. So I said, if your if your IQ is the, I'm, I'm putting it very crudely, of course. If your IQ is your the rocket engine, and if your passion slash attitude, whatever it. Um, um, is your is your fuel the mentor or the coach is the navigation system so basically you're coming to me you already you're smart you're ambitious but you have no idea what to do in life or in career then we sit and discuss and i say you know what i'll sit with you and coach you and mentor you because i know that you have the right attitude to listen to me and i know that you have the smarts to make it happen so so, so what's <laughs> next then good question <laughs> what's next so do you so have a navigation know, system? Well, good one. Now, touche. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what's next. Um, I do I do writing. I, Gulf News National Podcasting is going on. I'm quite active, as you know, on the board of CFA Society Emirates uh, as a career services chair. I really like to give back that way, you know, because that way you can affect thousands of candidates and members in the UAE charter holders and candidates. So I do a lot of, organize a lot of webinars for those candidates, et cetera. That's happening, but I'm really looking for my next idea. I think I'm too young to uh, retire, or I should say semi-retire, <laughs> right? I think you have so, way too much energy to retire anyway. I don't have it, man. Maybe I just need to bottle it up and sell it or something, you know? The <laughs> <laughs> Essence of Binod. <laughs> maybe, that's the, maybe that's the business model, you know? Switching gears a little bit, uh, mm. you know, you um, 
you often talk about, uh, you often post on social media about your mother. Uh, you talk about like, um, growing up, um, basically with her being a single mom, uh, and raising you and educating you and, and, and pushing you. So what has that, uh, how, how has that impacted you? And like, what was, you know, what was little Binod like? And wow, huge impact in stewards, because like you said, my father left my mother when I was three and she was, um, well, she had three dependents. There was me, there was her mother and her younger brother and a couple of others. And she was earning a negligible salary as a junior lecturer. But fortunately for me, she was a graduate. She was bright and ambitious and quite literate. And she spoke English very well, which 45 years ago in India wasn't that common. You know? So she went to Nigeria with me in 1975. So I grew up in Nigeria, I didn't grow up in India. Um, but going back to what you said, the impact, the impact is that, you know, you grow up seeing someone as a single mom in India, not easy, you know, um, how, you're, how she was seen by society, but she stood up to it, right? She was stood up to it. She, she not only stood up to it, what I find amazing is at the age of 38 or something, she uprooted herself from India went about 5,000 kilometers to a strange land in the middle of Africa. Everything was different, right? I wouldn't have the guts to do it at, even at her age. And she built a new career in life there for me because she was bothered that if she was stuck in India, low salary, that, that job, I wasn't going to gain anywhere in life. And she was very worried about me. What drives me a lot is, A, I can't let her down That's because today. she's till today, because she's invested a lot. I just can't, you know. Uh, and B is that if she can do it, if a woman who is left by a husband, single, in an environment which is not really, this is not US or UK or Australia, right, where people are liberal, open-minded about a, a woman separated from her husband. If she can survive and basically tell them to get lost and not only survive, but thrive and emerge as a wealthy, successful uh, she became a mentor, a speaker. Uh, she's written books in the last 20, 30 years. Then why can't I, you know? So even now when I go through shit in my life, and to be honest, my, I don't have much shit in my life, and I'm not trying to. But even when I have issues in my life, right? I think, listen, don't be a wimp, right? I mean, <laughs> compared to what <laughs> she went through, this is nothing. So I think I inherited a lot. So, you know, although you'd like to say that you're a self-made man, I don't think anyone is self-made. But yeah, so going back to your question, a very relevant question. Um, big role model, big inspiration, massive impact on me. Uh, my, she lot inspires of my you. I mean, I asked you at the beginning what inspires yeah, yeah, you, does. and you said you wanted to do impact and create impact. Yes. And I can see now, you know, I mean, she's obviously inspired you as well in, uh, in many ways, and you've seen her create impact. I sort of say stay strong and resilient because I think one major effect is this 86-year-old lady who has sort of told me that indirectly, she never said you should be tough or, you know, she doesn't, men she doesn't mentor me the way I mentor people. <laughs> she doesn't give long lectures or anything. But she's, I think, enforced by example. She's enforced by being a model. But is it, uh, is it, is it about being tough? I mean, you know, you, I mean, you've touched on something. Uh, quite a few people at the moment are losing their jobs. 
Uh, even in their their 40s they have families they have uh, commitments and so on and uh, when you tell them you know you have to be strong I I, I find it very uh, I don't think it's the right thing to say it's not even practical what what the hell does that mean what what would you say um, you know to people that are that are going through this given given your experience uh, in in coaching and given your personal experience as well with with leaving a corporate job, with starting something new. So, so recall I, earlier during this uh, interview, uh, Lulu, I mentioned something called mental toughness. So I got interested in it way back in 2012. And then I went for a training and then I became a licensed uh, user trainer. Uh, I learned how to use the, there's, there's actually a test, psychometric test called MTQ48. Uh, so you can, you, can, you can rate people, you can grade people on four, four, in, four uh, indicators, commitment, challenge, uh, confidence and control, commitment, challenge, confidence and control. And people vary on a scale of zero to 10, people have different scores. So a person who is scoring something like seven or eight, seven or above can be said to be mentally tough. A person who scores less than seven can be said to be, we don't say mentally weak, we say mentally sensitive. Now the fun thing or the interesting thing about this, this framework is you can A, identify the level of mental toughness by subsector or substrate or whatever, and B, um, coach that person to develop mental toughness and say, this is the tool you should use. So if, if, you, if you have issues with, commit, with commitment or challenge or confidence, right? People have issues with public speaking or some people have issues with negotiating. Uh, this is what you can do to get better at it. So again, um, the, the, the methodology says they have seen some improvements in schools and colleges and careers. Uh, so it seems to be working. That's one way. So yeah, you're right. You can't just tell someone be tough. That's that's yeah. that's that's just vague and meaningless. What you can do is say, by the way, point in the right direction. This is the tool set. Read about it. See what you can absorb the concept. See where you stand and see how you can improve. Now the improvement is not going to be hundred percent. It's not going to be massive. But trust me, in some tough times, Lulu, even a five ten percent improvement can make a big difference. Um, so yeah. that is what the hope is. Yeah. And what about, uh, I mean, physical activity? Because on, on Fridays for fun, you do like a two-hour training session, which you, which, which you post about. So that's like your idea I did, of fun. I did it just once. I did it once with one hour 40 minutes. That was, that was hell. So, so that's your idea of fun. I mean, or if you want to, yeah, uh, go so on. by the way, on Friday. Instead of going to Ibiza on vacation, you know, you're climbing uh, Mount Elbrus in Russia or something. So... Uh, yeah. So clearly that does something to you, right? I mean, and, and, and so, so if someone's like going through a tough time, would you actually recommend physical activity? So it's an interesting question, you know, uh, what comes for the chicken or the egg? Do you do physical activity because you're mentally tough or do you get mentally tough because you're doing physical activity? I so what interesting. do you think? As, as usual, there's no straight answer, but... I'll tell you something, my personal experience, right? Which I've never shared with anyone before. It's the first time, guys, yeah? Ooh. I used to have this troughs, you know? I used to, I won't say depression, but I would get moody. I would get sad. I would get detached, you know? I would sort of become very quiet and not talk to many people and low profile. And then I would go down like this. And then after a few days or maybe a week, I would bounce back. I knew it was happening. I could never control it. I could never manage it, right? I could never do it. It used to happen irregularly. It depends on what was happening, what shit was happening in office, for example, right? And then 2007, 2008, I started running uh, slowly. 
2008, I started the cycling. In 2010, I did my first half marathon. 2011, I did my first marathon. And ever since then, I don't have such episodes. Absolutely. I'm not saying like I'm, I'm like I'm like I'm like Buddha, <laughs> or chilled out and calm, and you know you can say anything and it won't hurt me and I won't react. No, uh, uh, Sadguru. <laughs> so Sad Sadguru Shankar. That's it. That's my new name, Sadguru Sad Shankar. Shankar. Yes. <laughs> uh, I got to be careful. There's another Shankar, I think, in India. Anyway, so, so <laughs> there's a branding issue there. So to go back to your question. I think that so I've been thinking about it, and I said, why? How did that change? You know, and I think I think one reason for the big change was the fact that I started running, I started going to the gym regularly. At that point, I started cycling. Suddenly, physical health became more important. I started eating right. I think there's a connection between doing all that and being more resilient, more less temperamental. You know, I still lose it some once in a while. Of course, I do. I still, you know, feel like I need to shoot someone in the head sometimes, uh, <laughs> but very once in a very uh, blue moon. But I calm down very quickly, and more importantly, Ludo, I can sort of sense it before it hits me. Um, so yeah, so I think exercise, whatever form—walking, running, swimming, whatever you can do. So just before today's interview, I, I went out with a backpack in the heat of summer in the gardens in Jabalali, and did a 75-minute walk with a backpack. I came back and showered just for you, by the way. So I, I'm so that I'm at. Uh... I, 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 did a, I did a five kilometer run as well in the heat and the Dubai heat for you, just to be just to be all fresh for for our talk. Just to be on message, all dynamic. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so do you have any um, parting thoughts? So my parting thoughts would be quite a few things, um, which I mentioned sometime in Mumbai about a few months ago when I was there, at the invitation of my students. So one is, you know, um, every choice has a consequence in life, whether you like it or not, whether it's health or fitness or education or relationship, every choice you make has consequences. So just be careful about the choices you make. Um, number two is that if you don't know how to make choices, ask, as in don't reinvent the wheel. Don't uh, struggle on your own. Everything's out there. Google is your friend, right? Number three, very important, I discovered myself is know yourself. A lot of people don't know themselves and they think they do, they don't really. And then they make all sorts of mistakes and they get to the wrong job, wrong relationships, whatever. Um, another very important point I think is uh, what I found in my age now, getting into my 50s, I think is happiness is an inside job. You know? uh, no one, not money, career, title can only make you happy for so long, right? Uh, at the end of the day, you need to feel happy internally because you're connected to something more meaningful, maybe a bigger cause or something. Are there any books you recommend to people that want to uh, follow your advice? And, uh, you know, are there any tools, books uh, or resources? Tons, tons, tons of books. So you can see my bookshelf back, the books I read in the last, uh, what, six months probably. Give, give, me, give me two books. Okay, so quite a few topics here, right? Uh, let's talk about career and personality and everything else. So... Two books that one advice, one book is on um, if it's career, what got you here won't get you there. It's written by this world famous executive coach called Marshall Goldsmith. Basically, what made you a manager won't make you a leader. And okay. that's a fantastic book to read. It's a very small book, but very well written. And uh, the other book for anyone who is going through 
issues these days. Depression, mental health awareness is a big issue. So one book I loved, some, by someone who went through the issues, is called Lost Connections by Johan Harry. Johan, J-O-H-A-N-N, Harry, H-A-R-I. Uh, it came out recently. He had a TED Talk, very successful. That was on mental health, and he's given a lot of solutions to people, very practical ideas, not drugs, not therapy, but a lot of other very interesting, very sustainable solutions. So yeah, these two books, I think, um, from the psychological personality uh, point, point of view, should be quite helpful. Thank you so much, Binod. I'm sure I'm sure many people are gonna love this. I loved it. Uh, it's it's so nice to talk to you. Really, uh, very refreshing. Um, I do this. You know, I have the, I have the pleasure to do this on a regular <laughs> basis. So I'm I'm lucky. Uh, I think other people get to listen to you, and and I would encourage people to also follow you on LinkedIn because you really post uh, some pretty interesting stuff. Yes. Thank you so much, Mr. Shankar. It was a pleasure. So our, yeah, it's a pleasure. I mean, it's like having a conversation, a long catch-up, right, after a long while. Exactly. And exactly. I'd like to the listeners, uh, so they can connect me on LinkedIn, it's Binod Shankar, or on my website, uh, www.therealfinancementor.com, where there's tons of blogs, book reviews, um, podcasts, and webinars. Thank you very much, everyone that's listened to the show. That was uh, Bino Chankar, a great friend and a podcast host of The Real Finance Mentor. Uh, he is um, absolutely great. I highly recommend you uh, follow him on LinkedIn and on check out his website. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening to Conversations with Lulu. That was episode nine. Uh, thank you to everyone who's subscribed, who's rated, who shared the episode and who's listened. Uh, I'm super grateful. Our podcast was trending on uh, on Apple Podcast uh, as new as as new and noteworthy in the Middle East. So I'm super proud. Thank you very much, and stay safe, everyone. Until next time, take care. Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.